In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. What episode are we on, by the way? This is episode five. Okay. I think. <laughs> Let me look it up real quick. No, I, I think we're on episode five, too. Did we do a mic? I'm muted. No, I'm not muted. You're okay. good. Okay. You're good. I should just leave you muted for the whole podcast, and then that can be... Rude. Hey, what's this disconnect button do? What's it? Oh. <laughs> it makes it very, this... very hard for people to understand what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, do the podcast yourself, loser. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, that would not be entertaining. Well, yeah, welcome to Monologues with Patch or with Aaron. <laughs> All right. So, welcome to Episode 5 of the Feeling Film Podcast. I'm Aaron, and I'm back with... Patch. Yo! And we are coming at you with some quick picks this week. Um, the theme we've got going for you is Civil War themed movies. And if you don't know why we chose that, then please. Yeah, don't listen to this podcast at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you may be listening to the wrong type of podcast. Uh, <laughs> step outside of the box <laughs> and talk to the world because you, you can't really get away from the hype that is Captain America Civil War right now. Um, We chose to kind of wait to do our Civil War episode by a week um, because we wanted to give more listeners the opportunity to get a chance to see the film uh, since we are a spoiler podcast um, for those type of reviews. We didn't want to put the episode out and have people not be able to listen to it. So we will be coming back to you on May the 16th, I believe it is. Uh, let me double check. Today 16th. is... Yep. Yeah, 16th, 16th. 16th with our Civil War episode. But for this week... Guess what we were doing. <laughs> so yeah, we've got some Civil War themed episode here. Some Civil War themed movies. But what we try to do is um, we could take the obvious choice and do American Civil War movies, which, yes, I did that. But my man Aaron here decided to step out a little bit and open us up to the notion that, you know what? More countries participate in their own civil wars, and those civil wars are depicted on the big movie screen. So kudos to you for stepping outside your own box, and maybe an A for effort for me for picking a movie at all? Yeah. I, I think so, definitely. Okay. Yes, I'm going to give myself a little little silver star <laughs> for that one. You deserve it. Uh, yeah, so what we're doing is we've chosen to do movies that have some kind of tie-in to a Civil War um, for obvious reasons. Um, but what we didn't want to do is just come at you with things like Glory, um, Gettysburg, some of your more classic films you would think of uh, with the Civil War. We wanted to give you a couple recommendations for things that maybe you haven't seen and that might not have been on your radar previously. Um, at, for the quick picks reviews like these, uh, Patrick and I are going to each talk about a movie. Um, these are spoiler-free picks and recommendations, so you can listen uh, with no no fear of us ruining a, ruining anything for you. And we just are putting these out there uh, to tell you about how we reacted to these films. And maybe if you hear something that is going to or that resonates with you, you can go check it out. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that because these are actual historical, historically based movies, what we say in here isn't really a spoiler because it's a historical fact. So if I'm talking about a particular battle, that's not necessarily going to be a spoiler. So I just want to throw that out there to say what what we talk about, the spoilers that we avoid will be ones about particular moments within the movie that have to do with the movie specifically, not necessarily the historical parts of it. Good point. And with that, I will kick us off uh, with my film, which is actually not a historical film. Oh, um, it is actually right. it's historical fiction. Um, oh. So the film I've chosen to to come come out with today and recommend you guys to you guys is called beasts of no nation um this is a netflix original movie that was released in 2015 uh it stars idris elba and a, a young child actor who's this was his first film ever uh called his name was abraham atta the film was actually simultaneously released in theaters and on netflix which was a very odd and unique choice. Um, my belief is that the theater-based run was primarily to make sure that it was in consideration for Oscars. Um, there's a there's a requirement there that must be met, but it didn't have really a, a very a very big marketing campaign or anything like that. Um, overall, the film had a, a six million dollar budget, uh, which is amazing for the kind of film that we end up getting. Uh, visually, it's incredible. So just keep in mind everything I'm talking about. This was done in a $6 million budget. I, I think that that's probably in part due to the fact that it was largely filmed um, on location uh, in Africa, and you could probably make a lot more money, or a lot more movie for your money when you're not in a Hollywood set. So the film is directed uh, and adapted by uh, Carrie... Uh, Fukunaga uh, the, some of you may know him he directed the first season of the show True Detective oh yeah 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 I've seen episodes of that that's pretty good okay yeah so I have not but I've been told that this is in line with the style of his directing in that show as well and that show is very well received um, so jumping in the storyline or the synopsis rather the one line synopsis for this film is it's a drama based on the experience of Agu, who is uh, a child soldier fighting in the civil war of an unnamed African country. I'm going to read you a little, a little bit more uh, from a storyline blurb that I found because I think it, it really sets it up a little better. So, the film follows the journey of a young boy, Agu, who is forced to join a group of soldiers in a fictional West African country. While Agu fears his commander and many of the men around him, his fledgling childhood has been brutally shattered by the war raging through his country, and he is at first torn between conflicting revulsion and fascination. The film depicts the mechanics of war and does not shy away from explicit, visceral detail and paints a complex, difficult picture of Agu as a child soldier. So, I say that, Specifically because I want to put you in the frame of mind to understand that this is not a film that is easy to watch. Uh, we are talking about child soldiers in Africa. Um, and while this is based on a fictional country or a fictional civil war of sorts, um, these things have happened. 
and they do have some uh, inspiration from true conflicts that have taken place uh, both in Liberia and the Sierra Leone. The the story follows Agu, and we kind of pick up with him as a child, uh, and he's you know we get to know him a little bit as a kid, get to know his family. He has brothers, he has sisters, he has you know he has mother, father, he has a village. And, you know, the, the film starts to teach us about what's going on. There's there's soldiers, and then there's rebels, and they're kind of, the village is kind of caught in the middle. Um, the soldiers are trying to find the rebels, so they're going around accusing everybody of being rebels. Um, and eventually, uh, tragedy is taken, you know, takes place when the, the, the village is essentially destroyed. Um, and Agu becomes alone and stumbles onto... What the crux of the film is, uh, is him meeting this group of other rebels, uh, which is an army led by Idris Elba's character. Uh, he's their commandant, is what he calls himself. And he takes this group of children and he uses them uh, in a lot of ways <laughs> for his own gain. Um, it, it's sometimes hard to know at different times in the film what they're fighting for, uh, which is very powerful in its own right because you see the the brainwashing that's kind of happening and the use of it, it reminded me a lot of gangs uh, of the the way that gangs form in American culture. Well, I guess anywhere in the world, but I know it from American culture and the idea of a family. So, do you think that? coming from a background like this kid does of really having no developed identity, no developed sense of alliance to anything that allowed him to be a lot more susceptible to Idris Elba's character and the sort of, I guess, propaganda that he was preaching. Is that, is that kind of what's going on here? No, not really. I mean, this is, this is more of a situation where Agu is spared Um, you know, these, this group of ragtag child soldiers, um, they kill, (laughs) they kill a lot. And, uh, Agu is, is given the, the life-saving grace from the commandant to join them and to be, to be trained. Um, so it's, it's not so much, I mean, he does become brainwashed over time via some propaganda. I mean, there's, there's tons of propaganda. That's, that's absolutely for sure. sure. Um, in the process of how the commandant runs this battalion and what he has to say and do to get the kids to fight for him. Gotcha. Um, and that's, and that's one of the themes really that I pulled out of this was that these child soldiers are really just kids. They're young men fighting for the cause of grown men. Mm. They're not doing this for themselves. And that's, what's so tragic about it. They're not, this is not, not only are they young and you know, they should be out playing playing soccer and, you know, learning and doing these things. Um, it's, it's tragic because they're being used. They're not, they're not fighting a war to truly protect themselves and their families. Their families have been murdered. You know, it's not, it's not a defense situation. Right on. They're just being used as tools uh, in somebody else's war, somebody else's fight for somebody else's motives. Um, a goo is, a really great character. It's unbelievable to me how well uh, Abraham Atta plays him. 
uh, with it being the first role. It, it's, I mean, it's, it's truly remarkable. Uh, there's a scene early on in the movie, and I don't feel like this is a major spoiler or anything, but there's a scene that shows Agu's ingenuity where he's taken a, a TV box, uh, the box, literally the box from a television, right? The innards of the TV are not there. It's just the outside set with, like, a hole in it. And he's trying to sell it to the soldiers that are, you know, stationed in his village. Okay. And they're like, what, what do you want me to do with this TV? There's no picture. And he's like, yeah, there is. There's a picture. And, and he and his friends get behind it and start, you know, acting, right? So they're, they're standing behind the, the box, and they're acting and trying to use that to sell. He's like, it's an imagination. He calls it an imagination box. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And he uses that to sell to the soldiers for some extra food and a little bit of money. And, uh, and just it's such a – that scene juxtaposed, juxtaposed with what eventually he becomes – um, as a child soldier, is heartbreaking. Yeah. So you mentioned that Idris Elba is in this. I know that I've seen him in quite a few things. Um, how does his portrayal of this of this guy really stand up to you? I think it's his best role. Uh, okay. As far as his acting goes, he is relentless. Um, he is violent, but extremely human as well. Um, he is, he's kind of, he's kind of like a demonic father figure. Um, he's seducive. He's, he's seductive. Um, he's a predator. Um, he rules through fear. Um, he has, it's kind of like you were talking about with the propaganda. He's very, he uses that football coach speech kind of mentality to get everybody up and charged and going. Um, especially when they start to question him. He's extremely scary, extremely charismatic at the same time. Um, ultimately, his character's awful. Uh, you know, he, he really is out to get his, whether it's like a promotion or station of whatever it is he's seeking. He's looking to get what he wants, um, no matter what, in that's multiple so, ways. Yeah, that that's so funny to, to hear you talk about him in, in that fashion because i've seen him in pacific rim i know he's in this i know he's been in other quote-unquote serious roles but <laughs> my first introduction to him was actually from an eight episode arc that he did on the american version of the office no way so, really yeah, so, so so to hear you talk about him in this way and to to try oh. to picture the guy that i know from the office in these roles it's weird and it's funny but at the same time it makes me go it's, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised because I love knowing in, about actors that have that kind of range. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Chris Pratt in a sense that he played a second hand, second fiddle on a TV show and that kind of attitude got him into things like Guardians and Jurassic World where he sort of plays that same swashbuckler kind of guy. But to see an actor do so many different things and play so many types of roles, I think is such, such a great... Uh, breath of fresh air you know to to know that you know he could potentially do anything and and so um i think that's great man oh there really is i had no idea he had a comedic streak in him <laughs> you would know it from this film that's for sure this is not this is the opposite of that um it's very dry but it's still got that dry comedy to it yeah it's really dry but it's yeah well he he's great in this um agu's like i said abraham Otta, the actor that plays agu the, the main protagonist in the film is incredibly amazing uh the film let me i'll get to wrapping up i could go forever 
the music is great. Um, it's well, well placed. Um, it's, it's not, it's kind of not throughout the whole movie, but when it's there, it feels like it's, it's heightening the tension in the situation very, or, or heightening the emotion, whatever that may be in the perfect way. Visuals are incredible. This is, this guy is also a cinematographer and you, you, it really shows his visuals are stunning. It makes me wish I would have seen it on the big screen because it's, it is a war movie and, and, and it, it deserved to be seen on a big screen and not sitting here at home on my TV. So as a way to, you know, just to kind of sum up because of the tone, because of the darkness of it, what connects you to it? To I say want very loosely, but to have a desire to, to watch it again, like what makes it worth seeing once? What makes it worth seeing, you know, a second time? So I'm going to, I'm going to, that's a perfect question because I wanted to end with a quote from the movie by Agu that gets me all in the feels. Um, the reason is that while the, the film is extremely blunt and does not turn away from the atrocities that they kids commit and that the rebels and soldiers and everybody commits in this movie, um, it never allows you to forget that there's children, their children. There are always there's, there's these moments. He has a great relationship with another one of the child soldiers that forms a really cl- a tight bond. And you never fully forget that they're kids. And the one place the movie might be lacking a little is that it's hard to get, you know, I can't walk away from it and go, oh my gosh, I need to go donate time and money and I need to go volunteer in Sierra Leone to help stop the conflict because it's not real. Um, it's fictional, even though it's based on real life you know, type of events. So it's hard to connect on that level, but to watch a child go through this arc, um, it does give you hope in the end Mm. that despite the incredible amount of horror that is shown to us, there is hope and that the kids can, the kid can remember, you know, he, there can be hope. Um, so let me sum it up with this, this quote by Agu. He says, I saw terrible things, and I did terrible things. So if I'm talking to you, it will make me sad, and it will make you too sad. In this life, I just want to be happy in this life. If I'm telling this to you, you will think that I am some sort of beast or devil. I am all of these things. But I also have a mother, a father, brother, and sister once. They loved me. And... It's hard to watch. Again, it's just hard to watch, but it's worth it. So um, if you're interested in a unique take on a war film uh, with a powerful emotional angle to it, um, with an inc- incredible acting performances and incredible visual filmmaking, um, I do recommend it. But prepare yourself going into it because it's not easy. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring us out of the out of the darkness into the romantic comedy that is Ride with the Devil. I'm just kidding about the romantic comedy. I couldn't find anything really lighthearted about the American Civil War for some reason. I have no idea why that is. But uh, what I wanted to do was, like you mentioned before, I wanted to explore something. Um, I, I'm not a big war movie person, so there aren't a lot of, of films that I could probably recommend to say, hey, this is a great, right? Inter, you know, insert war name here. Uh, what I do like are 
are films that have to do with relationships that use themes or use events and things as the backdrop. Uh, as a side note, one of my favorite books by a guy named Marcus Zusick is The Book Thief. And it takes place during German World War II, but it's not about World War II. That's the backdrop. And, and I, yeah, and I love, I love authors and creators that do that kind of thing. So Ride with the Devil does that. It's a movie. Uh, it's directed by Ang Lee. Uh, it's based on a book oh, called... Oh, no. Did you just say Ang Lee? I did say Ang Lee. Like Ang Lee that, that directed the Hulk? Yes, and I'm going to talk about that for just okay. a second. Okay, so, not bad. Ang Lee, okay. back to Ang Lee. We'll, okay. I'll, I'll stay with you. Stay with okay. us, guys. Stay with us, everybody. <laughs> Don't jump ship like I just about did. <laughs> Ang Lee. <laughs> if you didn't know by now, it's directed by Ang Lee, as my, as my partner in crime has so vocally <laughs> expressed. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Carry okay, on. so it's a movie. It was, it, was, it was filmed back. It was released back in 1999, turn of the, uh, turn of the century. And, um, of course, written by Ang Lee, or directed by Ang Lee, who is of uh, um, Hulk, not the Incredible Hulk, but Hulk, The Life of Pi, and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Those are some of his, his bigger films to date. And as a means to address your apprehension, I will say this. When it comes to directors, especially directors who have had multiple films under their belts, you get to see a type of style a type of story that's told by particular directors. We know what we're getting when we see a Michael Bay film. We know what we're getting when we see a Chris Nolan film. So knowing what I know about Ang Lee and about the fact, about the way that he writes his movies and directs his movies, it takes a little bit of the rolling of the eyes out of my head. (laughs) Fair enough. So I look at this, um, as a character driven movie. And so like the incredible Hulk or like, excuse me, like Hulk, like the life of Pi, there's not a ton of action and you're, you got to ask yourself, okay, it's the civil war. How can there not be a ton of action? I mean, see Gettysburg, see glory. And we're talking about major battle scenes. Well, when I know what I know about the director, it doesn't surprise me that I don't see a ton of action or at least a film that's driven by action. So it's a more dramatic take on the Civil War. Though. It is, it, but it's not about the Civil it's War. It's set in the yeah. backdrop. I got you. Exactly. It's more like the book Thief, so, set in so the backdrop yeah. of the Civil War. Right. So just to give you a quick synopsis, we're talking about it takes place in Missouri, and the two main uh, opposing forces are the Kansas Jayhawkers of the Union Army, who are a small kind of band of soldiers, and a, an opposing force, they call themselves the Bushwhackers, who are sort of representing the Confederacy. Interesting. But they're not really representing either side. Like, it's not, I mean, yes, they're Union soldiers, they're Kansas Jayhawkers, but they're more on a small court of, it, it reminded me a lot of Young Guns, about the band of, of misfit people that have sort of a smaller cause that they're fighting for. And so it's, um, let me just read the synopsis. So it's on the fringes of the Civil War, you have these Bushwhackers and these Jayhawks fighting each other. The main characters that that drive the story are a guy named Jake Rodell, played by Tobey Maguire, and a guy named Jack Bull Childs, uh, played by Skeet Ulrich. And what I love about these names, let me read some of these names of, of characters off. They sound really Southern, so I'm going to read them in a little Southern accent, because that's you get a lot of that Southern draw. You got Jack Rodell, Jack Bull Childs, Sue Lee Shelley, Daniel Holt. I mean, these are... 
I was I was just enraptured by these these names and the way in which they were pronounced. I love the southern dialogue. And uh, so you have Jewel, you know, the artist, <laughs> the musician Jewel. who plays wow. Sue Shelley, Jeffrey Wright, who plays Daniel Holt. He's I know him from uh, from Casino Royale, the rebooted Daniel Craig, James Bond, where he plays uh, Felix Leiter. That was my first introduction to him. He plays uh, he plays one of the 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 slave of um, of Jeffrey Wright, who play, or excuse me, of Simon Baker, who plays George Clyde, one of these other rebels. So the whole the whole movie centers around really two individuals, uh, Jack Rodell and Daniel Holt. Jack Rodell is a he's a Southerner, but he's a Dutch Southerner. His dad is pure German, and by default, the the Dutch German people that live in Missouri usually have a solid tie to the Union Army. So he's facing a little bit of prejudice growing up. We get that in some of the backstory. And at the same time, we have this guy who we just call him Holt, Daniel Holt, who is a as a slave. And so he's got that obvious um, racism happening with him. So what I, what I really enjoy about this movie, the main themes, is this, there, there's two main themes that run through this movie an idea of self-emancipation and an idea of intra-racial struggles. So we know that the Civil War was mainly about slavery and states' rights. Those are the big themes surrounding the big Civil War. Well, in this particular movie and the subsequent book, what we're talking about is these particular characters, Jake and his friend Jack Bull, are enlisted. They, they decide to join the Bushwhackers because their father, uh, Jack's father, is actually killed by Jayhawkers because he's loyal to the South. So it's not like they want to keep slavery and they want to maintain their, their, their state's, you know, loyalty. His dad's killed. We're going to go get some revenge. So in a sense, it starts out as a revenge story. But what we, what we come to find out is that throughout this, throughout this story, we see, we see Jack, we see Jake, kind of grow up a little bit you know he's he's spent a year in this army his hair has grown out he's become sort of part of this reb, rebellious crew and and the story leads up to this moment that historically is known as the lawrence massacre in lawrence texas so so lawrence, jake texas and, or lawrence kansas lawrence kansas okay so what so what happens is after this the, the first two-thirds of the movie kind of build on these relationships between Jake and Jack and Daniel and George and Jules character, Sue Lee, to an extent she, um, she ends up marrying um, or she ends up kind of falling in love with, um, with, with George, but that's not a spoiler. I mean, you see it kind of early on. Mm-hmm. And so some events happen and the, I guess the climax of the movie is the Lawrence massacre. And again, this isn't a spoiler because it's historically actually happened. And so what I want to, what I kind of want to highlight are, are a couple of things that, um, the thing I enjoyed most is seeing the relationship of Jake and Holt develop at the beginning of the movie. Each one of those guys sees the other person in a stereotypical light. In fact, Jake is called by so many people, Dutchie, like that's his nickname, Dutchie, Dutchie, Dutchie. So as an audience, so as a, as a viewer, I'm constantly being reminded that he is seen as a Dutch guy, a German guy not a true southerner even though he grew up as a southerner yeah he's he's always kind of fighting for this 
this identity to say I'm not I'm I'm not where I came from. I'm, I'm a southerner. I was born as a southerner. That's who I am. And he fights even internally from people within this band of misfits, these band of bushwhackers of being different than stuff. Like he's not a true southerner. And you see him look at a guy like uh, like Holt, and at one point he's being introduced to him by by somebody, and he's saying, "Yeah, that's I'm gonna." I'm not going to use the N word, but I'm going to say it was, it was used. It's used several times, but, um, he's introduced as, as, um, as George, George's N word, you know, whatever. And he's described as someone who protects George because of just varying circumstances. And the first line out of Jake's mouth is, um, an inn with a gun is still a scary inn. <laughs> so what we see early on is there's this really, really strong stereotype that at least these two are personifying towards the other. And of course we know there's a misrepresentation because we know where Jake's coming from and we are sort of assuming where, where Holt is coming from. So anyway, moving on. Um, so seeing the relationship develop, was incredibly uh, heartwarming. I really got to know these characters, and I think that's what Ang Lee does really well, is he develops characters. And he sacrifices action, for sure. I mean, I, I recognize that from movies like Hulk. It was a very character-driven type thing with very few action scenes. I know that was one of the... And I hope that maybe we get a chance to maybe make that a second chance pick. I don't know. I'll have to... Oh, I don't know about that. He might be... <laughs> he might be a... I don't know. I mean, I, we do say we can find the good in anything, so I'm sure we could find something redeeming about it. But <laughs> I mean, I felt like, oh man, that was that was a that was not an expected take on the Hulk for sure. But I can definitely see how it could work in this type of film. Yeah, is the so I'm assuming there's got to be some love story going on in this at some point. But absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Is that kind of intertwined with what I'm what I'm hearing is and what it, what it seems like might be happening is. Uh, the characters of of Jake, uh, is it Jake and Holt? Uh, or Jake, Jake Holt? yeah. Jake, or is Jake, Jake Holt? No, Jake, Rodell, Daniel Holt. Daniel Holt, so yeah. So I was getting confused because one's a first name, one's a last name. Yeah, I know, it's like, <laughs> sorry. It, it is the relationship between, that grows between Jake and Holt, is that kind of what the central Yes, it, it becomes that. It becomes that. It starts out as an ensemble. Okay. You know, Jake... And Jack Bull, they start out the movie, and then they form this. They they join up um, sometime later with with uh, with Daniel and George, Daniel Holt and George, who is you know who who Daniel sort of kind of a, a sidekick to. That's kind of how he's described as 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 George's sidekick. And uh, what we find out the love story. I was going to bring this up. Of all of the actors in this movie. Mm-hmm. Jewel actually stands out as my favorite in terms of how she delivers. Really? Her. Yes. I was incredibly surprised. Not because I don't think she can act, but because all I know about her is her musicianship, her ability to yodel within pop pop songs. It's really kind of, and it, it was such a breath of fresh air to see. I smiled several times when she was on stage. I mean, she just owned that role as a Southerner. And um, I was reading up on her in I some of the- that. Yeah. So check this out. I was reading up on some of this uh, stuff about her and um, she really nailed that part. But according to her, 
Ang Lee apparently cast her as Sue mainly because of her crooked teeth. <laughs> oh my goodness. Which he thought looked really? like the teeth of, yeah, of a poor woman living in the 1860s. Wow. Now, I don't know if she was offended by that or if she laughed, but she owned that role, man. I mean, she she comes onto the scene. She comes onto the scene. She's just lost her husband. And they're referring to her by her married name. And she says something like, and she she's introducing herself, she, and she says, um, and you can just call me, you know, and, and you guys can just refer to me as Sue Lee Shelley. It was a good name before I had a husband, and it's a good name now. You know, I it's like just, it. She's real sassy. I like it. I like that she's very sassy. That's, that's yeah. how she should be. Yeah, and so there are some really great scenes with her and uh, and Jack, and then later on with, with Jake, and um, the cast is just, it's just a lot of, it's it's a very well-rounded cast. Yeah, it sounds like, a, I, I was surprised when you were going through the names, honestly, that I'd never heard of this, um, because yeah. I hadn't. I, I, this is not a film that I have even ever had on my radar. Did, do you know if it did, did well at the box office? Did it have... <laughs> A it, lukewarm reception or something. Eh, it was about at sixty percent on RT. I mean, oh, okay. it didn't have it didn't have a huge kind of reception. But again, I, I was trying to I was trying to think of it in terms of when it came out. So we're talking about a late nineties movie mm-hmm. that um, you know sounds almost like an early nineties movie, which it, might it have does. Been, might have been what the problem was. And it's got that kind of flavor yeah. to it. I mean, it it felt it 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 felt somewhat. I don't want to say dated. It didn't feel. It didn't feel epic by any means. And I don't think it wanted to be mm-hmm. like, it's like a Gettysburg or a glory. It didn't feel just blown up and like, this is a story about the war. Right. No, it's, it's, it's a coming of age story with this war in the backdrop. And, and, and it's, it's a beautiful movie. It really is. I mean, the cinematography just pulls you in. I'm a big fan of Foley artistry. I don't know if you know what that is. It's just, it's the talent behind the sound effects of the movies, like creating footsteps and creating rain and these, Sounds that that kind of bring more uh, just oral oral texture to a film, and so hearing the the trees rustling and hearing the the clop clop of the uh, of the horses, all those things just really helped bring me into the movie itself, and it, it really created a nice pleasant experience. But that's great. Um, yeah. So you know, I think my emotional takeaway from it. Um, in particular was uh, just that it spoke to this idea that finding unity among common, on, on common ground can elevate you beyond these stereotypes that you live in. And I think from uh, just, I'm not going to get into any complete, any kind of political, uh, political stuff right now, but I know that um, there are a lot of things that, that, people need to come together on, you know, there's this idea of, of, of unity on, on several things racially and otherwise. And, uh, I think this movie speaks to the fact that when you find something that's worth fighting for together, it elevates someone's value beyond just where they came from and what they look like and that kind of stuff. And so, and Ang Lee really plays with that. And I think he does a really masterful job of, of painting that kind of thing in a genuine way. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel heavy-handed. Doesn't feel like he's preaching at you. It's just kind of you're you're seeing these these relationships develop, and you, at the end of the movie, you're like, "Yeah, that makes sense. That feels like this is the rev- resolution that should have happened." Right. But, 
uh, but it was good, man. I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. That's good to hear. It sounds like a really good lesson, uh, for sure, that you can pull out of it. And being an enjoyable, entertaining movie watch on top of that is, uh, you know, recipe for something worth checking out. So, speaking of that, is your film Ride with the Devil uh, streaming anywhere right now? Or yes, yes, it's on Amazon. I don't know if it's on Amazon Prime for all of you guys that have it, but I think you can rent it for like three bucks. Okay. And I will say this: it's 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 not a short film. Film. It's about two and a half hours, but it was you know it's it's. It, and it's a slow burn, so if you're if you're comfortable with Ang Lee's style, stick with it because it's a great payoff. Awesome. So mine, I did not mention uh, previously, Beasts of No Nation. Uh, I did say it was a Netflix original, but I didn't explicitly say it is on Netflix um, streaming. So if you, if you have, yeah, I know, right? So if you have Netflix, you can check it out there. Uh, so that is all we have for you guys this week. To wrap this up, um, Patrick, where can people find you if they want to Go see Ride with the Devil and let you know what they thought about it. Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, uh, Shoeless Patch. You can just kind of uh, do a little search for me there. And you can also hit us up on the Facebook page, uh, Feelin' Film. And you can find me on Twitter, at Shoeless Patch as well. I'm basically Shoeless Patch all over the web, uh, even on Instagram if you want to kind of troll me there. Okay, cool. And I'm Aaron L. White everywhere, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. That's Twitter, Facebook, etc. The site. Feeling Film, Facebook, Feeling Film, Twitter, it's all the same, feelingfilm.com for our website. Um, we have posted an announcement there that explains uh, the formats of the various shows that we're going to be doing. So if you're interested in checking that out, if you're a new listener and haven't heard us talk about it before, go check that out, read up on that, and you can be, know what to expect uh, in the future. For us... We are going to be dropping an extra surprise episode this week. Uh, We're very excited about it. Don't want to tell you exactly what it is, but it's a sort of uh, cross-podcast fun little thing we're going to be doing with a a podcast that we are fans of and that have helped us out a lot in the past, um, revolving around the summer movie season. So be on the lookout. You're going to get two 30 to 45 minute episodes from us this week. And then next week on May 16th, as we mentioned, you will get our quick reactions or real reaction to Captain America, civil war, America, America. America. So we're both very excited about that. Um, let us know on the site, whether Twitter, Facebook, whatever, whether you're team cap or team Iron Man, um, and go see the movie. You've still got another week. So you can check out the conversation on that. Once we're done, that's it for us right now but like i said check uh keep on the lookout for the second episode that's coming out later this week all right we'll see you guys on the interwebs all right have a good one yep